0: Our second scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 13. I'll be reading verses 24 through 30. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, so in our limited channel guide, since we cut the cord a few years ago, there is a channel I've never watched before, but I do include it when I channel surf. The channel is called Land. Never watched a show on it. And one of the shows on it, however, is called Weedicate. I've never watched the show because I really don't have that much interest in weed. I really don't have any interest in weed. Um, I did look at a description of one of the more recent episodes, and it read as follows. The impact of marijuana legalization is explored throughout the culture, science, and economics surrounding the issue in the U.S. and internationally. Again, not must-see TV for me. But even though I don't have any interest in weed, as a believer, apparently I need to have interest in weeds, particularly as discussed in Jesus' parable from our reading today. Why, you may ask? Well, I'll begin by giving you a name that will demonstrate our interest. The name is Orenthal James Simpson, more commonly known as O.J. Simpson. As you may know, O.J. Simpson was granted parole this past Thursday after having served almost nine years for being convicted of armed robbery in Las Vegas, where he attempted to take back some personal items of his. Corey, what's so funny about O.J. Simpson, I, most people don't laugh. You know, they, they, I, that's not the response I was expecting, okay? <laughs> Did I mispronounce the name or something? Okay, okay, all right. Now, all I have to do is say the name O.J., and immediately this room is divided. There are those who believe he should be locked up for the rest of his life. There are those who believe that he should have been released much earlier. There are those who cannot get the image of the bloody glove out of their minds. And there are others who cannot get the image of the juice being the first to rush for over 2,000 yards out of their minds. There are those who consider racism and prejudice in many different directions when it comes to OJ. The list goes on and on. Regardless of what you believe, we can all agree that OJ Simpson really has been one of the more polarizing figures uh, in, the, in the last few decades. And by the way, in his parole hearing, which I watched, he identified as Baptist, said that he helped start church services in prison, and that he hoped to become a better Christian. So what do we make of all this? What do we make of it indeed? Maybe we call it Christian Wiedeket. Let's look at this parable again in a nutshell. The owner of the house had planted some wheat. One night in the middle of the night when everyone was asleep, someone else came through and planted some weeds among the wheat. When the wheat and the weeds began to grow, the workers of the field noticed it and thought the owner had planted some subpar wheat. When the owner explained what had happened, the workers wanted to go out and get rid of all the weeds immediately. Clean house. The owner said no. He said, if you take out the weeds, you might accidentally uproot some of the weed as well. He said, just wait until the harvest, then we'll separate the wheat from the weeds. Once again, Jesus turns our world upside down. I will be the first to admit, I don't like to weed. In fact, it would be very low on my list of interests. Come by my house and look at my yard, and you will see. Martha and I were watching CBS News, uh, a Steve Hartman segment either yesterday or the day before where he talked about being a weed addict, but not in terms of what my students might be able to identify with. Uh, It was addicted to pulling weeds, and a whole segment on him weeding like acres of land, and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, he would weed until well into the night after it was dark, and I thought... You know, different strokes for different folks. Yet I do know that weeding is a good thing to do. So just like last week in the parable of the extravagant farmer, let us be reminded that Jesus is not giving us advice on how to grow a beautiful and productive garden or field. So what is he talking about? Just cutting to the chase. We can relate with the workers of the field. We want to root up the bad and keep the good. We want everything to look nice. We want everything and all issues to be black and white, no gray area. We want order and not messiness. But in particular, we want the good and the order and the niceness from our perspective. But you know what? That's just not reality. It wasn't back then, and it's not today. We live in messiness. We live in confusion. We live in uncertainty. But we have a tendency to want things to be pure and clean from our point of view. Some say that Jesus was referencing the Pharisees of his day. They were all about doctrinal purity. They could spot a weed a mile away. But their sights were so set on pulling weeds, they didn't realize they were hurting the wheat in the process. But of course, that attitude did not just exist with them. It's still with us today. And the crux of the matter appears to be that sometimes the wheat and weeds are indistinguishable. Or that they are so intertwined that one cannot be uprooted without hurting the other. I want to give a couple of examples of what we might want to call Christian Wheataket. The first has to do with the workers in the parable. One assumption, I think, as I said just a moment ago, is that we have the viewpoint of the workers, that we are the ones to get incensed when there's not enough done about the bad things going on around us. For this scenario, I turn to N.T. Wright, and he begins by writing this. Why doesn't God do something? That is perhaps the most frequent question that people ask Christian leaders and teachers, and those of some other faiths, too. Tragedies happen. Horrific accidents devastate lives and families. Tyrants and bullies force their own plans on people and crush opposition and they seem to get away with it. And sensitive souls ask again and again, why is God apparently silent? Why doesn't he step in and stop it? This parable, he writes, is not a direct answer to the question and probably no direct answer can be given in this life. But it shows that God's sovereign rule over the world isn't quite such a straightforward thing as people sometimes imagine. Would people really like it if God were to rule the world directly and immediately so that our every thought and action were weighed and instantly judged and, if necessary, punished in the scales of His absolute holiness. If the price of God stepping in and stopping a campaign of genocide were that He would also have to rebuke and restrain every other evil impulse, including those we all still know and cherish within ourselves, would we be prepared to pay that price? If we ask God to act on special occasions, do we really suppose that he could do that simply when we want him to and then back off again for the rest of the time? You know, there's a reason that N.T. Wright has volumes of published work. What an insightful and brilliant answer to the workers who were ready to clean house and also to those of us who get it in our heads that it's our job to clean house. That we are the weed eaters, if you will, in the kingdom of God. In Stephen Branford's novel, Writers of the Long Road, Silas Will, a circuit rider back in the 18th century, was grilled with hard questions by a young man about God, evil, and suffering. This was his response. This is what Christ said. The people urged him to pluck all the weeds from the wheat field, but he said, No, let them grow together, because to pull them out now will destroy much innocent wheat. Yes, God can purge the world of sin and death right now, but he doesn't, because all have sinned, and we are all so tangled with the corruption of sin that he would destroy us and the whole world in that self same moment. Maybe it's something for us to think about the next time we ask ourselves, why doesn't God intervene to stop something bad that is happening or to right a wrong that is occurring? For you see, it's not up to us to pick and choose where God should intervene. You see, we cannot have our cake and eat it too. And I don't know about you, but I'm very glad to have grace Instead of judgment for what goes goes on in my life at any given time. And so the first example of Christian weedicate might have to do with the workers who want so desperately to be weed eaters, who want so desperately for all the bad from their point of view to be taken care of. The second example has to do with the weeds themselves. When thinking about the weed and the weeds, it's so easy for us to think of ourselves in terms of the wheat having to tolerate those weeds around us and to be patient and wait for God to sort things out. If if only we could take care of those weeds right now. But hey, we're going to have to wait for God to get rid of those weeds, wait for Him to do what He has to do. But what if... What if I turn to William Willimon and an excerpt from one of his sermons on this text? He writes, "Tolerance, forbearance, patience are all virtues in God's garden." But this time, through this parable of the good wheat having to tolerate the bad weeds, it hit me. I've always assumed that I'm the good wheat who has to put up with all these annoying. Nuisance weeds. I'm the one who must be open minded, slow to judge, tolerant, and patient with the annoying weeds. What if Jesus wasn't talking about me as the good weed who must be tolerant of the bad weeds? What if Jesus was talking about me as the bad seed cast by the enemy amid his good wheat in the garden? He writes, disturbing thought, that one. What if I'm not the one who ought to show tolerance towards some in the church, but rather I'm the one who has been the beneficiary of the forbearance of others and God too? He writes, I think it's wonderful that Jesus Christ is gracious towards you and your faults, more gracious than I, In an odd sense, it's a bit easier for me to be glad that God is gracious towards you than to think that God is gracious toward me. When Willimon was a campus pastor, he often invited students to his home after service in the chapel. Andy, I thought about your dad inviting students home, something I've never done. Uh, He wrote, they had lunch and the students played basketball in Willimon's backyard and he visited with those who wanted to chat. This is the first time I've ever been invited to a faculty home, said a student to Willimon. Really? I think that's sad, he said. I believe that faculty ought to open our homes to students. I certainly do that. He obviously didn't teach at a community college. Well, you are unusual for that, said the student, and you have such a beautiful home. Then the student said, let me ask you, I'm trying to be a Christian and I'm wondering, do you feel guilty about living in such a nice house? having so many beautiful things and also being a follower of Jesus. That's why I want to invite students home. Willimon writes, when I reacted with surprise and maybe a bit of resentment, the student said, I'm sorry, did I offend? He writes, I collected myself and said, maybe God has sent you to me in order to make me a better follower of Jesus. And he continues, see, I thought of myself as an exemplar of Christian witness. Yet I was actually an impediment to this young man's faith. It never occurred to me that I was a weed who might endanger another younger, growing Christian's faith. Really? Might it be possible for you and me, for those of us in the church, to be weeds? I conclude with a word from David Loth. I've referenced the big three in my life, Wright, Willimon, and Loth. this morning. Loth writes, We can and are encouraged to work against evil and for good in ourselves, in our communities, and in the world. But ultimately, it is and will be up to God. And this has two important implications. First, the final judgment of others is left in God's hands. We rarely know what motivates other people to speak and act as they do. And while we may oppose their words and actions, we cannot remove them from the power of God's redemptive love by taking judgment into our own hands. Two, trusting that God will redeem the world frees us to take responsibility for caring for our little corner of it. You don't have to defeat evil and death. That's God's job. But you can care for your neighbor, speak out against injustice, support those in need right now, right where you find yourself. So if we could summarize some Christian etiquette from all this, we might could say the following. It might ultimately be better for us that God does not choose to judge and correct all the bad things as they happen because that would include us and the bad things in our lives as well. And we might want to remember that the final judgment is left in God's hands, not ours. And finally, what if I'm not the one who ought to show tolerance to others, but rather I'm the one who has been the beneficiary of the forbearance of others and God too. It is that last one that keeps coming back to grab me. How might my actions and thoughts be different if I am maintaining the attitude that I am the recipient of tolerance from others? that I have been and continue to be the beneficiary of forbearance from others. It may just have everything to do with how I choose to treat others and relate to others and whether or not I'm so eager to try to pull those weeds around me. And so I say the name to you again Orenthal James Simpson. Of course, I could easily name other people in the news lately, from the political world to the sports world, and everywhere in between. And I could watch you divide yourselves all over again. Weeds, various weeds, many different types of weeds, all of them, all around us. O.J. has his weeds. Other people who are coming to your minds right now have their weeds too. But so do you and so do I. Now our weeds might look very different from O.J.'s weeds. Our weeds might look different from each other. But just like the various strands of this plant in the container... You pull one away, and you might do damage to the others. The question is, when we are tempted to act as God's weed eaters, or when we are tempted to think we have no weeds ourselves, will we be willing to display the etiquette of Christian weedicate? Let's pray.